is the Adam Crowley Show. Oh, I like him. <laughs> He's a handsome guy. ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM and 106.3 FM. It's Le'Veon Bell week. Will the Steelers sign the running back to a long-term extension? I guess I should probably phrase this differently. Will Le'Veon Bell accept the offer the Steelers have already extended to him for a long-term extension? I think there are pros and cons both ways. If the Steelers were to get Le'Veon Bell signed to an extension, that guarantees he'll be around for Ben Roethlisberger being here. Well, you know, apart from him getting suspended for doing drugs or sleeping through a drug test. The cons are, I don't think Le'Veon Bell was as good last year as people think he was. He wasn't breaking away from anyone. He went down a yard overall in his yards per carry. He just wasn't as explosive as a player. Now, was he really good? Yeah. Was he top five running back in the league? Yeah. Was he far and away the best running back in the league? No. So is he breaking down? We shall see. And that would be the risk. All this means to me is if he does not sign the contract extension, and he probably won't, FYI, is that this year is the year that the Steelers have the best chance to win the Super Bowl in Ben Roethlisberger's remaining years. Because, let's face it, Ben Roethlisberger hasn't been the same quarterback over the last couple of years when he's not getting that production from the running game. I say it all the damn time. It probably pisses people off to hear me keep saying it, but I will say it again. When the Steelers were 4-5 and five two years ago, Ben Roethlisberger started playing a hell of a lot better. Why? Because Le'Veon Bell touched the ball to the tune of 140 yards per game. Last year, when the rubber met the road, 126 yards per game from Le'Veon Bell after the Steelers started off just 3-2. and two. Which for them, for their expectation, was a paltry start. You needed to go 13-3 and to get a bye. You had two losses after five weeks. That ain't looking so good. So they turned to Le'Veon. I do think, and I've talked myself into it, that the best case scenario is Le'Veon sticks around. Because then you've got him signed up for as long as Ben Roethlisberger's here. And after Ben leaves, who gives a rip? Who cares how much you're paying that guy? It's why I said... Pay Antonio Brown whatever he wants. Because you got to make the quarterback happy. If the quarterback ain't happy, if the quarterback ain't throwing anyone, if the quarterback ain't handing the ball to somebody who's good, he's not going to be effective. So I would like to see it get done, but it won't. And for all y'all out there who say that the Steelers would be better off with running back by committee, just because it's worked other places doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work here. And then people try to draw these false equivalencies, right? Like, well, the Steelers, they won a championship with Moel Day Moore in the backfield in 2008. Okay, yeah, sure they did. But they also had the world's best defense. One of the best defenses I've ever seen. They defended every blade of grass. <laughs> this brings a tear to my eye how good they were. That's why they won, not because of the running back by committee. Not because Moel Day Moore was able to catch the ball out of the backfield. No, they won because they had a great defense. They only averaged about 23 points a game back then. They didn't need to average much. 
So it's a false equivalency. They also had a terrible offensive line. So does that mean the Steelers can just start winning games with terrible offensive lines now? Like, all right, fine. Let's kick these guys to the curb and bring back Chris Kimoyatu. That'll do it. I think that people just assume that running back committee is going to work because it seems to work in New England, and it seems to work in Philadelphia where they just won the championship. It's winning up in Minnesota right now. They've got a couple of great backs in New Orleans. But that doesn't mean it needs to be that way. And the Steelers have done it this way for a long time. That's why it's better for them to keep Le'Veon around. It won't happen. And I've gone back and forth even myself thinking about it because sometimes he's just not worth the headache. But whenever I boil it down to football, and football is the most important thing here, you'd rather have that guy on the field than a bunch of jabronis. You would. Maybe the Steelers take a running back in the first round next year. All right, great. But then they've spent assets to have to do that. Assets they wouldn't have to spend if they had kept Le'Veon around. The flip side of that is you can use the money to help the defense. But the risk there then becomes how thin do you run depth-wise on the offensive side? And what if the running back that you do bring in, what if that committee isn't good enough? People can sit on the pass. Ben Roethlisberger gets teed off on, and then he gets hurt. Best case scenario, you keep Le'Veon around. But again, it ain't going to happen. Neil Huntington says it's a big week for the Pirates. <sighs> no, it's not. The Reds still hold a, or the Reds still, pardon me, are two and a half games back. The Pirates hold a two and a half game lead on them for fourth place in the National League Central. The race between the two teams on this show has been deemed the Mega Bowl. Mega Bowl. It's the mo- most important thing going on here on the Crowley Show right now. They're 12 and a half games back in the division the Pirates are, so that's more important, I think, to Neil Huntington. They're nine games back in the wild card. Now, they do have the Nationals for three and the Brewers for five, teams that they're trailing, both at PNC Park, but never, ever, 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 never, never, ever should one week be the determining factor in whether you're tearing a franchise down or adding to it. Neil Huntington needs to know by now whether this team sucks or this team's good. And Yoneal, they've lost 13 out of 19. They're seven games under 500. They don't have one pitcher in the rotation who's anything more than a number three starter, the way that they're performing. The writing's on the wall. It's a bad baseball team. I don't care if they win these eight straight games. I don't care if they go in all kinds of hot into the all-star break. Doesn't matter. They're a bad squad. They're a bad baseball team. I assume he does know that, though. One week should not make you a buyer or a seller. You have to have a realistic viewpoint of where you are. Huntington does know. But for once, could he just be honest? What he wants to do here is he wants to give fans the impression that the Pirates are still trying to win. Because... All you woke fans, all you smart people who haven't had the wool pulled over your eyes, all y'all know that they don't try to win. All y'all know that they are operating like a business just to make money. But for the few of you that are still hanging on, for the people who enjoy, I suppose, the tickle of the wool on the top of your eyelid, they're saying this for you. 
Well, this week, I mean, they've got a shot. They've got the Brewers in town. Buckos are trailing the Brewers. We're trailing them. So, if, you know, if we win five in a row, what? What then, Neil? Are you going to be a buyer then? You win five in a row, all of a sudden, it's going to change the entire philosophy of the organization? Nah, I ain't buying it. No one should buy it. But the reason he's saying it is because they know that they've created such a gulf between them and their fan base that they want to try to repair that. Not by doing right by the fans, not by going out and actually adding to a baseball team, not for positioning themselves to be a legitimate contender in 2019. Oh, no, 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 no. The way he's trying to close that gap is by saying, by saying, maybe we'll give this week an opportunity to convince us that we're a good team. Don't buy into that, Pirates fans. Don't buy into it. Lip service. Now, he did do one thing at the press conference that I will commend. He said that this is all on him. (laughs) He's right about that. I mean, I'll blame nothing first and foremost, always. But he's done a bad job drafting. He's done a bad job supplementing talent. He's done a bad job apart from three years. And in those three years, one of the main reasons they were as good as they were is because Andrew McCutcheon, who was drafted by the previous regime, that's right, they won with Littlefield's players. That guy was hitting bombs and making sliding catches and smiling and running around with his dreadlocks and looking all cool. And Did I say performing well on the baseball field? He was doing all those things to carry the sorry asses of a lot of the other guys. For me, it's time for him to go. Time for him to say goodbye. Time for the organization to say, peace out, bro. And unfortunately, I think it's time for Clint Hurdle to go as well. And I like Clint as a guy. He's an inspiring human being. I think he's a nice man. He can be very intense. He always walks into a room and you know that he's there. But he's too inconsistent. He says things like this all the time. Well, going to go with my gut here. Other times it's analytics. And I heard Mark say that he thinks, Mark Madden of course, that you got to pick one or the other. And I agree with that. You're either a guy who believes in analytics or you're a guy who believes in the gut. You can't just throw the numbers out in the ninth inning one game and say, oh, well, today I don't believe in it. No, that ain't working. That's not how it goes. That's not how it works. You can't be a gut guy either and then go one time, well, the percentage here dictates. No, no one's going to respect you then. It's time, Clint. It's time. And I now know more than ever because of what Jamison Tyone said the other day about getting yanked early. Here's it. Yeah, I got Hoskins to fly out to left. Uh, 60-something pitches. I went down there and had a guy warming up. So it's pretty unfortunate. Um, you know, that's the human element of it, pitching, looking over your shoulder, feeling, uh, you know, at 68 pitches without a guy touching second base and someone's warming up, that's tough. So, uh, I don't know, if, you know, if, you know, I haven't been pitching the greatest, so I understand maybe the trust isn't there, but uh, I, I was, again, looking forward to being the guy to give the bullpen a rest and go even deeper and, and uh, you know, end the streak. This is where I do the quintessential thing, the sports talk radio thing, where I go, well, Tyon's a competitive dude. And you either say, do you agree with what Tyon said, or do you agree with Clint Hurdle? That's not fun. 
That's stupid sports talk radio, and we do not do sports talk radio that way on this program. We do some stupid things, but not in that way. I do respect the fact that he was pissed about seeing a dude warm up. I get it. You can't be saying it, though. But again, that's not interesting. I don't feel like breaking down the merits of what's said. I don't feel like talking about whether Clint Hurdle did the right thing here or not. That's not interesting to me. What is, though, is that Tyon voiced his opinion in the manner in which it seems to back up David Freeze's take from spring training. Dave Freeze said winning's not in the air. He ripped the clubhouse culture. Then you know what? Tyone is showing his will to want to win in this circumstance, but I do think that if Tyone is willing to rip the manager publicly, which is what that sounds like to me, it does not speak well of the culture. It does not speak well of what's going on in that locker room if he's willing to just say, you know what? 66 pictures, I look down there, and he's warming up. It's one thing to lose. It's another thing to lose and have a crappy clubhouse because then you're not going to turn it around. So here's what you do. If I'm Bob Nutting, I'd have money. I'd look like a horse's ass, though. But I'd fire Neil Huntington, bring someone in, someone that you hope can draft better operate on the budget better. I'd get rid of Clint Hurdle because the clubhouse obviously does not have enough respect for him. And again, I'm not in there every day. But when you hear quotes at the beginning of the season and then you hear a player like this lash out the way he is, just tells me good things aren't going on in there. Which is why, oh man, was I right. A lot of y'all were wrong early in the season. Oh, my God, the number of people who are taking a victory lap after a month and a half. The Pirates are better than people thought they'd be. I told you. I told you they would be. I told you there. Look how much fun they're having. Look how much they love each other. Look at how great they are now without McCutcheon and Cole. McCutcheon and Cole were locker room cancers. We heard these takes. Cole and McCutcheon bringing it all down. When's the last time we saw that Richard Nixon mask? When's the last time we saw that Sexy Hispanic clubhouse music. It ain't happening that often. Doesn't seem like they're having the same kind of fun. It's because they're losing. But they never had a great clubhouse to begin with. It just feels that way when you're winning. And it does feel worse when you're losing. But to David Freeze's point before the season, they've got a loser's mentality. Now, Tyon speaking here is not having a loser's mentality. What he's saying, the context of it, is actually a guy who wants to win. A guy who wants to be a big reason why they win. But the fact that he's saying it, that's what makes me think, ooh, not good in there. Thing is, if you fire Neil Huntington now, you can't move all these guys at the deadline. You can't, you can't fire this guy prior to the season ending. Because if you do, you're GMless. If you promote from within, then same thing is going to keep happening. If you bring someone else in, well, okay, great. He better be the guy in long term, not just the interim guy, because you need to build this thing from scratch. And then if you do fire Neil Huntington after the year, then he's already traded these guys at the deadline. I'd rather do it now. Bring someone else in. Hold off on the trades. 
But here's the deal. I know what's going to happen with Le'Veon already, and I know what's going to happen with Hurdle and with Huntington. With Le'Veon, he ain't signing the long-term deal. And with Huntington and Clint Hurdle, they ain't getting fired. Because then the Pirates have to pay their contract for not coaching, for not managing, for not building the roster. So we know that's out. Coming up next... Cornhole's overrated. It is. And we got to talk a little bit about this Tiger and Phil exhibition. It makes me sad and happy all at once. It's like when I know sex is over. It's a Crowley show. Tweet Adam at underscore Adam Crowley. Oh, no, finish your tweet. It's not, it's not, just give us a second. There you go. Hashtag it. This is the Adam Crowley Show on 970 ESPN. And now on 106.3 FM. I tweeted this out this weekend. Here's a take. Cornhole sucks. And my mentions are on fire. I am getting spanked like I am Kim Kardashian in the Ray J sex tape video. I am just getting smoked. I was kind of shocked. You came You came out hard against Cornhole. Like I I'd never did. even heard an opinion from you on Cornhole one way or the other, but you just came out right straight trashed it. Look, I can deal with it for a few minutes, okay? It's fun. You throw a, a, a bean, bean bag. bag through a hole, okay? Great. And you're drinking, so that part's fun. I think, and just to take the take even further, I think people think that they like it because when they play it, they're drunk. No one plays sober cornhole. That's a good take because, like, yeah, you don't see people being like, hey, what are you doing today? Well, I'm just thinking about going out and playing some cornhole straight sober. Right. Never happened. Not once in my entire life has, have I said, okay, boys, here's what we're going to do tonight. Johnny, you come over, you bring the six-pack of water, and we're going to drive the speed limit <laughs> all the way to the cornhole tournament. We're going to play cornhole there. No drinking. No, nobody does that. Like, you can play tennis sober. You can. You can't play cornhole sober. Nobody in the history of cornhole has ever played it while not at least consuming a beverage i'm gonna go out on a limb here and i say anything that you have to put a ball in a hole or an object in a hole requires drinking you need to be drinking if it's golf look i know some of your diehards out there i can't golf without drinking i can't play cornhole without drinking frisbee golf if i run into some moron who likes to frisbee golf and like convinces me to go out i'm drinking yes you know so anytime i'm trying to put a ball in a hole or a thing in a hole i'm hammered Anytime you're trying to put a thing in a hole, you're hammered? Absolutely. You see, usually anytime I'm trying to put that thing in a hole, someone else is hammered. But it's still consensual. It's still consensual. Let's cover all my bases there. I don't love cornhole because most of the time it's hot when you're playing. You're drinking and you're hot, right? And then Or viciously cold, too, on the other side. Right, because you're tailgating before some football game. Right, right. I hate the math aspect. Oh. Like you're playing at 21, and you throw the damn thing through, and you're like, oh, this is awesome. Right through the hole, three points. 
And then the MFR that you're playing against, he'll throw it right through the hole. And you think, okay, I got three, you got three. Oh, no, no. Oh, contraire, mon frere. We both got zero. <laughs> so you're playing the 21, but you're really playing like 600. Especially if you're playing people who suck. And that's the most common thing that I'm getting in my menchies today is, you must suck. That's why I don't like cornhole. No, I get bored after eight minutes. Look, let me get, I'm going to stop everybody right here. Like, guys, if you're like hanging your machismo on a game of cornhole, it's like, I'm awesome at cornhole. Stop right now, dude, because you're kind of being douchey. Like, if cornhole's what you, oh, you must suck at cornhole. Yeah, so what? I suck at cornhole. I didn't work my entire life to try to put a beanbag in the hole. Sorry, dude, you're awesome at cornhole. You must be great. And, and and that's a fun, another point with cornhole. Like, look, I like the game, which, again, it took me off guard that you were coming so strong at it. I like playing it, but I hadn't thought about it much. But once you brought it up, I started thinking, it's a highly, it needs some, like, organization. It needs to be highly organized. One, you have to have keeping the score. Second thing, you've got to have some Yahoo who's willing to cart those things around. Oh. The, the what do they call them the tables or the cornhole boards the cornhole board yeah somebody's somebody's made it their mission to make sure that he has cornhole boards with him like yeah I can't hey honey you got the beer yep got the food yep don't forget the cornhole boards you have to own a pickup truck yeah and yep and that guy always has a pickup yes truck. yeah guarantee you he's got the tailgate spread too yes he's probably got a little green egg he rolls with he's probably got a few recipes he rocks with it's a classic overdue guy. But like cornhole, the the boards, that's like standard for the overdue guy. Like you're not even playing if you don't have cornhole boards. Why do I need to do things when I'm drinking? <laughs> like my friends are always like, hey, what are you going to do tonight? And I say, let's go out and drink. I don't say let's go out and drink and play cornhole. I just want to drink when I'm drinking. Yeah, you put a sporting event on the TV. That's fine. I can play a little darts. That's fine, too. I get kind of bored with darts after a while, Darts though. do get boring. At first couple rounds, great, fun, awesome. Then I get bored, and then I lose focus. I start missing, and it's not fun anymore. Yeah, there's math. You know why I love oh, yeah. beer pong? Because there's no math. If I make it in the front cup and they pull the front cup away, guess what? I can see that I'm winning. And I'll see your point with the game of cups, too. I know how far along in cups we are because there's cups flipped over. Yes. There's one cup that's not flipped over on my side. There's two on their side. Right. We're winning. If I'm playing drinking games, I'm doing stuff like that. Like I'm actually doing a drinking game. I'm not just playing a game around the notion of drinking. Tell me if I'm wrong. 412-922-2874. tweets. Cornhole is so awesome. You get personalized boards, sacks, holes, no giant darts to <laughs> impale the children, no flying metal shoes to maim innocent drunks. Okay, it is safe. Yeah, until a bunch of drunks get a hold of it, and then somebody's getting slapped upside the head with a cornhole board because they miscounted the score. Oh, well, and that's what happened. <laughs> you know? Score gets miscounted. If, if every game was to 11, we're good. But even if I'm the guy who wants to play to 11, and I walk up on them cornhole boards... Someone around me is telling me, Crowley, we're playing at 21, man. I want to play at 21. I just got on the board. And then the worst thing is if you win. Hey, if you win, then you got to stay on it. You got to stay on it, and then people come flocking over trying to knock you off your perch, and then you have to take it seriously. So then what winds up happening is you're doing math for like two and a half hours because you're too damn good, and you keep winning. The worst thing, I keep saying the worst thing, but it's all the worst thing, is if, and I'm not kidding here, it's if you are the math guy, 
Like, if you're the guy who's keeping score, you can't possibly have fun. If I'm the guy who's over there not having to keep score, it, it can be okay. It can be fine. But I don't think I've ever had fun playing cornhole. Yeah, I've had fun drinking. Dizzy Bat. Give me Dizzy Bat all day. Dizzy Bat's great. You cut the top of a baseball bat off, wiffle ball bat, dump a beer down it, chug it for as long as it takes you to chug it. You put your nose on the top of the bat, spin around for that long, and you try to hit the beer can. More times than not, you don't. That's good, clean American fun. In fact, let's play this game. Dizzy Bat. What are the best drunk games to play? Or what are the best games to play that are drinking games? Because to me, Cornhole, it's not on there. I had a guy, Donald, tweet me, and he said that next to Pong, that's the best drinking game. But it's not a drinking game. It's a game you play while you're drinking. Yeah, which is different because if if it was, like softball would be up there, but that's not a drinking game. Right. We did make turn baseball into a drinking game. We would put a keg out, and that would be on the pitcher's mound, and we'd play wiffle ball. And we had a set of rules for everything. Like, if you got a home run off the pitcher, he'd have to do an inverted keg stand. Yeah! Um, every time, like, first base would have, like, a half a cup, like a red solo cup, half filled, and you'd have to chug to the next base and all the way around. <laughs> By the third <laughs> inning, nobody knew what the oh, hell you're, was going on. You were just going up to bat. You didn't even know what team you were on anymore. <laughs> it's a good game. Cups was always one of my favorite, too, because there's a race element to that it. That flip cup? You're ch- yeah, flip cup. You're, you're chugging and then you're cupping. There's a little bit of skill, a lot of drinking. goes nice, and you can sit at the table. You never have to get up. It's a lazy man's game, really. You ever played beer ball? How do you play? You've each got, I think this is beer ball. This might be, I don't know which one's which. I just, I love this game. You each have a beer on the corner, and you've all got ping pong balls. you got to throw them at the beers across from you. And then if it hits the beer can across from you and the ball bounces off, that person has to start chugging until their teammate runs, finds the ball, puts it on the table, and they get to stop chugging. So the goal is to hit your opponent's cans as much as possible. And as hard as you and can. And as hard as you can. And you just get crushed. But it's fun because the whole time, what's the score? I don't know. Oh, shoot. We're losing. <laughs> Yeah, the score is you're either drinking or you're not right. drinking. <laughs> it's easy. Do you have possession of the ball? No, then you're drinking. Yeah, and you're drinking. Tom, what drinking games did you play in college? I was always a big fan of Birio Kart. You ever play some Birio Kart? Oh, That's little. always a blast. You know, whenever your your cart runs off the track, you have to drink your beer until you get placed back on the track. And you always play on Rainbow Road, so you're always going off the track. And you know what? It teaches you a valuable lesson about life, not to drink and drive. Oh, Exactly. In a cartoon environment. You gotta, Correct. You got to finish your beer before you cross the finish line. So many a times you get that, like, oh, I still have half a beer left and I'm about to finish the race. I got to break and chug this beer before I can actually claim my victory. What else did you losers do at Duquesne? We played a lot of beer ball. Flip Cup's popular. Pong. I mean, you can't go wrong with Pong, right? That's no, that's, that's the, uh, the yeah. staple of, yeah. of drinking games. You that's should America's seen... pastime when it comes exactly. to drinking games. Exactly. I think, games. oh, yeah. everyone, everyone likes Everyone beer pong. plays Pong, yes. Yeah, everyone plays in our basement in college, oh, this place is a hole. <laughs> it was a hole. The house behind ours burned down. It was a fire trap. It was disgusting. But the basement had white walls. Well, they started off white. Then we each smoked about a thousand cigarettes down there and God knows what else. And they wound up turning brown. But what we do is we'd write the tally of all time wins on the wall for playing beer pong. We had our set teammates. And we just, we would run that shiz. And we had longest winning streaks. There was like a wall of records. It mattered. Everything on that wall mattered too, didn't it? I didn't play sports in college. Shockingly. (laughs) We, from time to time, did intramural 
softball. So our competitive juices, they get flowing through beer pong. So I think we've all agreed, beer pong, far better than cornhole, yes? By far. Okay, good. And if I could point out that all of you drinking in that house, you were the equivalent of professional athletes at that point in time. You guys were on a game like no other. Like you were at the highest end of your athleticism when it came to drinking beer back then. You could have taken me and my three roommates and dropped us on any college campus in the country for a two-year period. We're taking your women and we're beating you in beer pong. And you're flunked out. <laughs> and we wouldn't have, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we we would not have finished college on time. But hey, none of us did that anyhow. Yeah, well. Yeah. What else were we supposed to talk about that segment? Oh, yeah, Tiger and Phil. I got too excited thinking about booze after this weekend, too, where I didn't want to drink anymore following it. <laughs> so coming up next, Tiger and Phil. Is this the future of golf? We've also got the hottest take of the day. And three stars of the show, I've punted on other crap for today. Not enough time to get to it. Not enough time. It's oh, no. Basically a two-hour show. Don't have enough time to get to other crap. We don't. Wow. I mean, I've got crap that would, I suppose, follow fall into that category. We can still do a segment called other crap. It's just not going to be the same. Would you, you know what? Stick around. <laughs> Weird stuff's going to happen next. It's the Crowley Show. Proof that anyone can have a sports show. Wow. <laughs> Electric booyah bass right from Jump Street. Adam Crowley. What's up, players? On ESPN Pittsburgh. I'm sure we'll have a healthy dose of Le'Veon Bell talk tomorrow on the program. I'm sure we'll find a way to talk about the Pirates. Unfortunately, I didn't have time today to talk about all the All-Star snubs. I know. What are we going to do? I just am looking forward to hearing some takes from Pittsburgh throughout the week as it gets further and further away from anything important happening. What people are going to be talking about on these radio waves. I know us. We're going to have fun. I don't care if we spend an entire segment talking about Cornhole. Got a couple tweets here. Bobby says, at underscore Adam Crowley, horseshoes is way better than Cornhole. How old are you, Bobby? Get the hell out of here. Same damn thing, really. It really is. No difference other than it's a horseshoe and a pole. I think young people play Cornhole. I don't see a lot of young people playing horseshoes. Because guess what, Bobby? I don't know why I'm taking this tone with poor Bobby. I apologize, Bobby. (laughs) (laughs) But you don't see people bringing horseshoes to a football game, right? I guess you could. They've got those little dirt boxes, right? Well, in their defense, it's hard to, like, get those pegs into asphalt. It's true. Ed tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. Cardinal Puff, baby. We're not talking about rappers here, man. (laughs) Talking about drinking games. That's a game I never heard of. I tried to look it up, and literally half a sentence in, I'm like, I don't want to know anything about this game. The less complicated, the better for drinking games. Oh, it's already way too complicated. The most drunk I'd get in college is going out and going to a place where it's like 25-cent pitchers. But the next most drunk is if I'm at home and we're playing like NCAA football. Yeah. And 
just between plays, you're just slinging beer. That's and you, a sneaker drunk. Yes. Yeah. That was how we always pre-gamed. I loved that because there'd be some nights you're tired or you're drinking the night before or you actually had <gasps> class. And you just don't feel like putting beers down. Or maybe you had too much to eat. And if I'd be sitting there just trying to drink without something as a little bit of a distraction, then it's a problem. Like, I, I don't need much to drink. I really don't. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> you don't need I, need a, I need a lot to drink. I don't need any reasons to drink. <laughs> but sometimes you want to keep your mind off it until you get to a good place where then you can put anything down your gullet like gasoline and you'll feel fine. That's where playing the video games came in. Okay, enough about that, though. We spent 45 minutes on the show talking about cornhole. It's a good topic, man. It is. I should do something like that every day. Something that's going to piss people off. What else don't I like that people like? No, no, no. You tell us. I don't know. i got to think about it. Maybe tomorrow I'll come up with some more. Things that I don't like that people do like. And I, and I don't say these things that you troll, either. I just I finally hit my breaking point with cornhole this weekend, and it was done. Well, you think about it, man. There's people who yeah. spend a lot of time with this who, like... Like we were talking earlier, they get invested in this. It's something they're good at, yeah. you know, and you come after them. They don't want to hear any of that. I attack their people. Yeah. What don't I like that a lot of people like? Got a couple of inappropriate ones I don't really feel like putting out there. Oh, no. I'll promise you I got some tomorrow, okay? I know you're all you're all waiting on bated breath to hear what I don't like. I'll make <laughs> yeah. sure I give it to you tomorrow. Stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. I'll give it to you tomorrow. <laughs> How about Tiger and Phil? This exhibition that they're setting up. I am getting very sad thinking about it. It'll be fun to watch. Like, I'm going to watch it. The more sports you put on my TV with interesting stakes, I'm going to watch. It's just the way I am. But I think this is almost kind of... It's kind of the realization that Phil and Tiger... They're kind of admitting that they don't have it, right? It's almost like a reunion tour sort yeah, of feel to it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like the Stones are coming back for their final tour, that sort of thing. It does. It gives like exhibition. Almost. Right. It won't feel as good. It won't be as cool. But it won't be as high quality. But at least it'll be there. And at least it'll... If they're each going to have to be in contention. That much we know. Yeah, they'll both be on they, the board. They will both be there. Yeah. Worst you can do is finish second, Phil. All right, but Brian, what you said, I was all about to go off on a tangent today on the show about how sad it makes me and how one of the greatest periods of golf history, maybe the greatest period of golf history is over, and you said maybe this is the future of golf. You know, I mean, we talk a lot, especially recently, like talking about fixing sports, you know, talk about can you fix baseball, whatever. Golf, think about when you're watching a match. What's what are the headlines? People are worried what Mickelson is doing, yeah. what Tiger Woods is doing, and maybe the leader and how close the next four golfers are. Maybe, but the headlines usually are those two guys. Why not cut it all out and have just those two guys go at it? That's what people want to see. Unless you're a super golf geek, like if you're trying to get fringe fans into the sport to watch on any given Saturday, why not go that way? Treat it yep. like it's a heavyweight boxing match. And you could go even further. You could pair different golfers against each other in this similar manner going forward. Well, the Ryder Cup is maybe my favorite thing right. every year. Yeah. It just adds that level of team kind of competitiveness there that I think golf is missing. Everyone picks their favorite guys, but I think this would accomplish that a little bit. 
And certainly, whenever you're a Tiger Woods fan, you would like to see him in contention. This allows that to happen. It's an interesting idea. It's sad. I mean, here's the thing. like, You'd at least tune in, right? I think it would be the highest rated thing golf did all year, other than the majors. I I absolutely agree. Yeah. What do you think, Tom? I think it's going to be have more viewers than the majors. What? This is going to have the what? most viewers of what? any event. You know, you don't you don't want to go over like you don't want to play over three or four days for something like that. I think no. it's eighteen and out. Like you play eighteen oh, holes yeah. straight through, winner take all. Yeah, that's the way you got to do it. What do they call this? I mean, is there Go- a name? Golf. Well, thank you. <laughs> Very good. Because. Don't think Jack Nicholas won a lot of these. Tiger's going to have more head-to-head victories than he is. How about that? Greatest golfer of all time. Yep, more head-to-head victories yeah. than any golfer in history. Pair him up against like one arm Rory McIlroy. And Rory, put your arm behind your back. Rory's beating Tiger. They play head-to-head. I think it would the casual golf fan too. It would give them less to pay attention to, which would be easier for them as well. They don't have to worry about an entire field. It's one versus one, so it's who's winning. This person is winning. You don't have to invest much in it either, you know. And this is kind of a curveball I'm throwing at you guys, but uh, like kind of going at a league in an alternative way like that, like pairing one golfer against another. Did you guys happen to see this three-on-three NBA stuff going on? The big three. Yeah. Yes. Did, did you watch it at all? I haven't watched it, but I plan on it. It was actually really, really cool. I mean, it's a bunch of aging stars, like Birdman was in there. Right. It's just funny stuff, but it was fun to watch, and it was a great little take where I didn't have to feel as invested into the product as I would if it's like a full-on NBA game. And you just watch casually, see a bunch of guys just kind of, you know, not taking it seriously, but not over the top seriously, like it's live or die, and just playing their sport that they're good at. And I think that with the golf thing, it would go the same way, maybe even get a little more competitive. I just want to be entertained, and this does that. So that's the part that makes me happy. What makes me sad is that Tiger Woods' career is coming to a screeching halt, although I do think we're getting milk. He's milking some more out of the cow here than I thought that he had. I mean, whenever he came back, the first time you were like, okay, let's see what happens. It didn't work out. Then the second time, the third time, the fourth time. This time, at least, he's made himself Tiger Woods-ish again. I mean, he's not the dominant player, but at least you can... He's making cuts. He's in contention. He's getting himself out of trouble when he gets into it right. sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So there's that, but this, to me, does scream, okay, it is the end. The other thing is... How likable are Phil and Tiger? Like, neither of the guys are likable dudes. Like, Phil's fig jam and Tiger's banging waitresses. I mean, I think golf fans are, they don't care about that. They care about the golf. But for the casual fan, maybe, maybe you don't want to watch those two. Eh, Just putting that one out there. Hottest take of the day. It's time for the hottest take of the day. (laughs) Soccer is here! The round of eight viewership, on average in the 2018 NBA playoffs, per game, 4.8 million people were watching. World Cup? Round of eight viewership without the Spanish-speaking television audience, 
4.5 million. Wow. Whoa! Soccer is here! And we know how well the Premier League games do on NBC Sports. They do better than the hockey games. So for all the old curmudgeons out there saying hockey or soccer ain't ever going to be popular here, I don't think it's ever going to be king. But I think we are seeing that people in this country do appreciate the sport. Time for the three stars of the show. Third star. Tonight's third star of the show, Tiger versus Phil. And we got to talk a little bit about this Tiger and Phil exhibition. It makes me sad and happy all at once. It's like when I know sex is over. Second star. Tonight's second star of the show, putting things in holes. I can't play cornhole without drinking. Frisbee golf? If I run into some moron who likes to frisbee golf and like convinces me to go out, I'm drinking. Yes. You know, so anytime I'm trying to put a ball in a hole or a thing in a hole, I'm hammered. Anytime you're trying to put a thing in a hole, you're hammered? Absolutely. You see, usually anytime I'm trying to put that thing in a hole, someone else is hammered. First star. And tonight's first star of the show, Adam Crowley. And anytime Neil Huntington speaks, you know it's because he's got Bob Nutting's hand up his ass. Hey, 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 you shut your face. If we want to hear you talk, I will shove my arm up your ass and work your mouth like a puppet. And it's just drivel. It just makes you want to punch a wall. Or him. Oh my god, the visual. <laughs> Poor Neil. I think, oh, did it. think we did an alright show in the truncated version. Oh shoot! We have a prize to give away. Yes, we do. And the winner of said prize, Pat Morgan. Yeah! Woo. Way to go, Way Pat. To go, Pat, you are going to Cincinnati. The first and only Mega Bowl. I said Where Mega Bowl. Mega Bowl. Mega Bowl. It's a trip to see the Pirates play the Reds in Cincinnati. Thanks to the North Park Lounge. Almost forgot about Kellen. Never want that to happen. Good for you, Pat Morgan. Talk to you tomorrow. See you, Pittsburgh.